Hey everyone, I'm Andrew, and you're listening to Small Efforts, a collaboration between Crit and Miss Grants. And hi, I'm Sean. Small Efforts is a show where we talk about cybersecurity, design, and the continuous small efforts it takes to build a business. How's it going, friend? It is going, friend. It is August. Oh no, shit. It is September. Today is September 1st. <laughs> that yeah. is, it is no longer August. Although this will probably come out like third week of September or something like that. So it'll be a minute. Yeah, absolutely. It's going. I'm still in Irvine, which is cool. Super, mm-hmm. super nice to be here. Yeah, the your backdrop is, not is much amazing. brighter and cheerier than your usual New York City backdrop. Yes, absolutely. Dude, the sunsets here are crazy. Like, yeah. How so? Just, is it because of all the wildfire smoke or, or is yes, it just, it is. Yeah. It is partially because the fact that like the smoke makes a really nice gradient and I don't know how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. It is also actually, it's partially that and partially the fact that there are no skyscrapers here. Everything is so low to the ground, it's uncomfortable. Like <laughs> my favorite place in Irvine is like the really tall building called the Boardwalk because it is the only large tower that I'm near. See, and this is how we're different. Home. Every mm-hmm. time I get in New York City, I feel claustrophobic because I can't see enough of the sky. I love cities that are a good sized city, but very few skyscrapers. The fewer skyscrapers, the better in my book. Yeah, no. I hate that there's no people around at night. Mm. And like, I think I was driving late at night. And it was just so uncomfortable. Like, have you heard of like a liminal space before? Yes. Yeah. So I felt like a liminal space the entire time. And then finally, there was like just a couple walking. And I felt like a sense of comfort wash over me because like, it didn't feel like I was in like a alternative dimension. Yeah, I have a problem is what I'm realizing. I'm too much of a city boy now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, we all get used to what, what is around us. So yeah, that's fair. Detroit is officially the largest city that I've ever lived in. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh. But it's a strange city because it's like a big city and not a big city because so many people have left. Mm-hmm. So Parts of Detroit are just kind of empty, which is sad because there's some gorgeous buildings here and the people are great. Everyone's been super friendly. My mom was in town this past weekend and like we went to this great Vietnamese restaurant that from the outside just looks like just kind of like a normal like kind of strip mall kind of thing. But then on the inside it's like really hip and there's a great patio out back and it's really cool. And then we found this used bookstore. It's like a four-story tall used bookstore. It's massive. It's so cool. I could have spent hours in there, but it was also like 95 degrees and they had no AC. So it was kind of miserable, but also great. I hear there's a burgeoning like streetwear scene in Detroit. Mm. So that's cool. I don't know. Super cool. Not that you would ever wear something that's not miscreants created, right? I'm just wearing, like that's <laughs> literally wearing my miscreants shirt today. Yesterday yeah. I wore my intrigue nice. revenge of the attack surface shirt. Thank <laughs> I'm you just for, like a shield for ripping. miscreants. <laughs> thank you for ripping. Apparently, uh, uh-huh. electronic music, like house music, started in Detroit. According to, hmm. I met Marissa Henry at yeah. at Black Hat. She works at Census okay. and lives in Ann Arbor. And she was telling me that Detroit is like where house music started. And then it like left and went to Germany oh. and then like came back or something. Gotcha. I knew nothing about house music or EDM, but yeah, apparently if you know where to go, there's some really cool... Gotcha. 
EDM scene here. Okay, cool. So what you're saying is you will also go to Germany in a couple <laughs> of years. That'll be your next place to live. Actually, no lie, Maddie uh-huh. works for Bosch, which is a German company, and was originally supposed to go to Germany. There you go. But got brought back here instead because of the pandemic thing. And so we have talked about maybe going to Germany someday. There you go. You are house music <laughs> is the title of this podcast. I think I am the furthest thing from house music. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. I feel like neither of it's us have really, like a... Yeah, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, I'm just not a partier. I'm happy being yeah. in bed by like 12. <laughs> yeah. Uh, same here. Um, okay. How's agency life? How's everything? I feel like this is becoming a common refrain on the podcast, but mm-hmm. it's just been a slow summer. Yeah. Coincidentally, the like timing of starting this podcast has been like one of the slowest periods of like lead gen in yeah. uh, probably a year and a half or so. So yeah. still just trying to spend like all of my time thinking about what I can do to get the crit name out there and trying to get a little bit better at, at networking. I'll be kicking off my interview series with Mm -hmm. product managers, designers, founders in security. So I've got my first one scheduled for this week Mm -hmm. with, by the time this podcast comes out, it should already be out with Jose Nazario, who is a product owner at Mandiant. Nice. And I'm excited about that. One of our designers who has some free time right now is going to do some really cool illustrations. So he's going to do like illustrated avatars for each person we interview. And he and I were just looking at some inspiration yesterday and I think they're going to turn out really cool. So I'm excited just to like create those and hopefully that gives the people we interview a reason to share. And then I've got... Two other people who have tentatively agreed. Should I say the names now or should I wait until I've got the interviews scheduled? Is there one you feel confident about getting on? Yeah. So okay. the founder and CEO of Project Discovery. Oh, shit. Okay. He's going to do an interview with us. Nice. I think his name is Rishiraj. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm mispronouncing that. I haven't actually talked to him yet. I've just communicated gotcha. with him over Twitter. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, really looking forward to that one. He's listed on their website as CEO and design, mm-hmm. which got me really excited. That's so cool. Yeah. That explains a lot. Like that yeah, makes because a lot their of tools sense. are actually really well designed and like look yeah. so much cleaner than most yeah. other early stage security tools. Yeah. yeah. I was really impressed. My friend Rob Reagan at Bishop Fox mm-hmm. recommended them to me when I would put out an ask for just like well-designed security tools. He was like, check out Project Discovery. And nice. yeah, so I just DM'd him on Twitter and was like, hey, would you be down to do an interview? Gotcha. Tentatively calling the interview series Product People, which is a pretty straightforward name. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you thinking of doing a uh, newsletter by any chance? Well, we already do a newsletter, a crit newsletter. Sorry. And so I will send these out through the Crit newsletter. I'm not going to launch a new newsletter I for the series, but I will definitely release them through the Crit newsletter. Understood. My favorite like security newsletter, hands down, like super new. It's called Turn On Security. It's by, I don't know his last name, or I'm going to butcher it anyway. So Mike, if you're listening, it's the thing I look forward to on Monday. I just get it in my inbox at like 10 a.m. in the morning. And it's just like, oh, you know, like here's the companies that got funded this week. And 
Here's a pie chart breakdown of of like the types of companies that are getting funded. He also does, I think, I don't know what the schedule is, but he also do like a pro trend report. It's kind of like trends by Drew Riley, Sweet. except it's security related. And it's amazing. Cool. Yeah, I've never paid for a newsletter until I saw that. And I paid for it without like, with reading like the first two paragraphs of it. And I was like, yeah, I want this. Nice. Yeah, I just subscribed. I guess the paid version is the trends or because I think I was able to subscribe for free. Yeah, yeah. I think the paid version is like the pro trends report, but it was like relatively affordable. Yeah. At least when I subscribed and I was like, yeah. okay, yeah, I, w- I want to read this. Yeah, I'll subscribe for sure. But yeah, I just went ahead and subscribed to the free version and I'm actually meeting with nice. him next week just to oh, cool. chat about content and stuff because nice. yeah, I like shouted him out on Twitter and he was like DM'd me, I think, and was like, thanks for the shout out. So I was like, yeah, yeah you want to chat about security content? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So nice. yeah, he seems cool. I'm excited to read more of his stuff. It seems super yeah, useful. Absolutely. We'll be sponsoring him for a newsletter or so, depending on how much he'll he's willing to have us. But yeah, no, I'm super excited to support what he's doing. This is great. This is awesome. Yeah. Cool. Are you all sponsoring as miscreants, agency miscreants or streetwear brand miscreants? I think we will probably sponsor as agency miscreants. I think as we're trying to kind of grow our content, I think there are probably some parts of his audience that would like to read both. Mm-hmm. And we might just, you know, yeah. So probably agency miscreants. I was actually going to pitch you on potentially doing a small efforts sponsorship. Oh. Could be an interesting thing to think about. So maybe you can be our test case <laughs> and see how it goes if you've already got one lined up. Are you saying for miscreants to sponsor or are you saying for small efforts to sponsor? I was going to say, depending on how your miscreant sponsorship goes, small efforts. Mm. So the two of us yeah, can yeah. sponsor to and just plug a yeah, yeah. couple of small efforts yeah. episodes or something. No, I like that. That's No, that's super cool. Yeah. We should totally do that. That's awesome. We should just like, you and I will both just support this newsletter. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Early stage revenue. Are we investors? Does this make us investors? Do we get? I don't think so. I don't think that's how that works, Sean. (laughs) Damn. So, okay. So, going back, you're doing content, product people. I like the name. I think that's awesome. Thanks. I think it makes sense. I feel like naming these things are always so difficult sometimes. But then we also came up with small efforts. So, maybe it's not. I don't know. Maybe you just got to sit on it. But I like product people. Yeah. Simple, straightforward is what it is. Didn't try to get too cute. (laughs) Just, yeah. Called it what it yeah, is. Yeah, sure. I'm excited to start doing the interviews. I think they'll be a lot of fun. I've already mm-hmm. talked to Jose once before. He's lives nice. in Ann Arbor. And so mm-hmm. we met just through a Slack group that I'm in. And yeah. he's a really smart, thoughtful person. So I think it'll mm-hmm. be fun. But yeah, working on getting started on those and then trying to start doing a little bit of VC outreach. So those are nice. kind of cool. my main focuses right now as well as you know, firming up plans with some of our existing clients. What's going on with you? Yeah, I was going to ask you. Oh, yeah. Because we talked about VC outreach last week. I was curious how that's going, if that's kicked off. Yeah, I haven't done anything on it yet other than to reach out to a couple of clients who have investors and ask for introductions. And so one of those clients has offered to make some introductions. Gotcha. So I'm planning to follow up with them like early next week. Cool. And then I've got like a list of folks. And so I might start doing some outreach for the folks that I don't have a warm intro to. Mm-hmm. Start experimenting with some cold, cold outreach and gotcha. just sort of see if I can get some conversations lined up. Cool. But my focus this week has been primarily firming up plans with a couple of our existing clients. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have one client who's getting close to kind of a renewal period where we'll be talking about retainer work with them. And so, 
trying to focus on that and then yeah firming up some plans for some new work with one other client cool and then getting this interview series started and then hopefully next week we'll be able to shift my focus to more fully the interview series and the vc outreach cool nice dude yeah how are things going agency wise with you it's slow too like to be perfectly honest like yeah. August has been interesting i'm glad for it because i feel like it gave me time to kind of recover from defcon mm-hmm. that being said defcon feels like it was years ago at this point <laughs> yeah i felt a little bit of fomo cuz i didn't realize blue team con was like literally last week and i mm-hmm. wish i knew and went that seems like a cool like i think it will grow i think derbycon left a uh, hole in the industry of like approachable technical conferences. Mm-hmm. And from my external, my outside looking in, it seems like Blue Team Con was pretty cool. So definitely on the plan to go next year. Otherwise, we had a very solid, small set of leads come in through DEF CON and Black Hat. Cool. But just the conversation and picking those back up have been really slow. So that's been a little bit worrisome because right now, we have a pretty large contract that's coming. We're kicking that off. Suppose it should be like next week. So it's a start off. So we're okay mm-hmm. on revenue. And we're keeping the lights on. And we did Q2 was pretty was really good for us. So so we're Thanks. sitting on some cash. But I did before I sent out the first invoice for this larger contract, I was looking at the projections and the blue bar that said expenses was <laughs> higher than the green bar that said revenue. And that was worrisome. But now now it's okay. Yeah, we're transitioning one of our part-timers to full-time, so that's super exciting. Cool. Yeah, yeah. But also trying to make sure that we don't, you know, just keep all of our eggs in one basket, one large and contract basket mm-hmm. and diversifying there. We are trying to figure out like how to optimize capacity, if that makes sense. Or rather, like I am keeping eyes on whether or not we are under or over capacity more mm-hmm. and trying to find tools to help us do that. Notion, turns out, is really great as a company wiki, but it is not super useful for an agency-wide like project management tool. Yeah. There are people who use Notion for project management, but I think in general, they tend to be like smaller product-focused companies. Mm-hmm. I think it gets pretty unwieldy past a certain point. Yeah. For utilization and stuff, we've started to use that tool Parallax. Yeah. So looking at utilization and capacity and everything, that's what we're using and still using a couple of spreadsheets to fill in the gaps, but starting to phase those out. But yeah, you've been looking at project management tools, right? I have. I have been looking at project management. I'm down this road again. And <laughs> you talk about lead gen, I talk about project management. It's we always <laughs> the same thing. Every, I mean, we've yeah. been there so many times where we're like, ah, is yeah. it time to reevaluate our project management tools? Project management is such a weird industry, like project yeah. management software specifically. What are you looking at? What's your like top three? Okay, so I want to point out that like, here's what I've learned first of all, or last late last night because I was mm-hmm. going through a bunch of them. There are so many project management tools. I thought there was like Monday, Asana, Click. I, I thought there were a lot, right? I mm-hmm. thought there were, you know, all the big hitters like Trello and, and Jira and mm-hmm. all the ones that we know of and that do marketing and advertisement. There are so many niche ones. And going back to the point about Notion, I think Notion works well if you are a startup and your product focus and you're working on one thing and you want to use it as a replace you want to use it as like a replacement for Trello 
within your organization. I think that makes perfect sense. I think Notion is great for that. But I learned about this concept called like work streams. Mm. And work streams, I learned about it from a management consulting meme. And essentially, it's deliverables that need to go through multiple departments, right? That it's not just like design and engineering, but like, I guess for management consultants, there's like multiple stakeholders that need to touch it and see it and add different, like, so like for a PowerPoint, for example, it needs to go to like multiple people or something. I don't know. I don't fully understand how management consultants do their management consulting besides like house through like house of lies, which I don't think is representative. I hope Anyway, my point is in the meme, it was just like, basically like think of it as like, it's like the, this is fine dog, but like that this is fine dog is like an associate and it's, and everything's on fire. Cause he is in like five different work streams. And then when I saw this, I was like, Oh shit, that's what my designers are in. Like they're on like three different projects at a time. Mm-hmm. And then those projects are not, it's not a very linear backlog where they can just take off ticket items and just keep working on them. Mm-hmm. Like they could be assigned to like three different projects that are in three different spaces. And they're doing now, they're not like, it's not like, hey, like build the same feature for every single one. It's like do something completely new and understand the content. Yeah. Anyway, so I haven't found like a good project management tool that lets me make their lives easier. I have seen Avaza, which is from Australia. Never heard of it before, but saw it yesterday. And it felt a little bit like how we do Notion. And it has like a little bit of business management built in. So like resource utilization and there's some timekeeping and expenses, which is useful. But yeah, I will say Basecamp still has one thing that still wins over everything. Like if I need someone to work on a logo, they can make their first draft of the logo. They can put it on Basecamp and it's like a Facebook post and I can give them comments. Other people can give comments. We can do the entire critique session or review session inside of that one Basecamp post. And then they can put in you know more updates and I can respond to those and we can go through this list and it's self-contained within this post. And then we have a final deliverable at the end and then we're done and we can move on to the next thing. Right now we do all of that in Slack, which mm-hmm. means that we can't reference back to anything. So anyway, that was a really nice like user experience with Basecamp. I think people do do that with Trello. You can also do it with Notion, but it's just not as clean or friendly to do it in Notion. It's not what it's meant for, right? Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah, we've never been Basecamp users. I can't remember why Austin and Bina have done most of the evaluation of project management tools on our end. We were on Trello for a long, long time. And Trello definitely mm-hmm. has pretty robust commenting and, and all that. But we still do the majority of our critique type stuff, either in Slack or on a video call. Mm-hmm. Or in, actually, we do a lot of it in Figma. Now that I think about it, I think there's a, a good bit of it that just lives in mm. Figma. And then now we use Jira, which is just one of the giant monoliths. And I have kind of a love-hate relationship with the software. I think it's a little clunky and a little bit overwhelming, but it has some of the tracking and reporting that we felt like we needed at the time. And it works for our team and a lot of the slightly larger clients that we've run into are already using Jira and it's just sort of an industry standard on engineering teams. Yeah. So it just felt like less of a hurdle to tell people like, yeah, we use Jira. They're like, yeah, we do too. Seemed like kind of just the industry standard option for engineering teams. So we just yeah. finally caved and, and went with it earlier this year. So to take the conversation mm-hmm. in a slightly different direction, I have a question for sure. you. Go for it. 
Do you know of any good online security communities, like anywhere that is a good place to just sort of hang out and kind of absorb the culture and learn about security? Yeah, absolutely. I know plenty of them because I get to hang out at some of them. I think first and foremost, if you're ever interested in like OSINT related things and like Mm -hmm. want to do good, Trace Labs, those are great people. Mm -hmm. Their leadership just changed over to Tom. So hi, Tom. Congrats, Tom. You're going to do great, Tom. I got to speak to him yesterday and we kind of did a mind meld yesterday on like the future of Trace Labs and that was awesome. Super excited on what's to come there. Trace Labs is in this like very unique position of there's often two types of like security communities, I feel. There's the nonprofit-driven one, which Mm -hmm. like Innocent Lives Foundation, EFF, etc. And then there are more like hacker, beginner-friendly ones like Mini Hats Club and... OOSEC, many hats club, I guess, shut down recently, but there are a lot of like really nice beginner friendly slacks and discords that you can be a part of, usually discord from what I've seen, or even like people led ones or even like conference based ones. And Trace Labs is in this like very unique position where they are a nonprofit with a pretty large community. I think the slack is like 10k people with 50% weekly active users of that. So slack blows up really quickly. But they are also very beginner friendly. And I don't see that in a lot of aspects. And I think it's also the fact that it's OSINT, right? OSINT is, for the most part, like a very approachable thing because it's Mm -hmm. the closest thing to like just browsing the internet better. Mm -hmm. So there's that. I do want to give a shout out to a friend of mine, Ben. I don't know how to say your last name, but I'm going to assume it's Bidmead. He's in the UK right now. But he runs 0x00sec or nullsec or oxsec. That is probably... Like, I wish I knew about this five years ago because it would have changed how I learned security because it is, think about it as like a non, okay, so, so sorry. A long while back, there's a thing called PeerList. If you've heard of this, just Mm P-E-E-R-L-Y-S-T. PeerList was great in the fact that it was like the first like social network for security people. And when I say social network, I mean like a non-forum social network. So kind of like essentially Facebook for security people or like a more hackery LinkedIn OXSEC has some of like the most in-depth, well-written resources in a non-dark web hackery way, right? It's just like security professionals are like, oh, this is like how you reverse engineer things. Or like, this is like how you like do bug bounty things. And it's all community driven. It's all written by them. Or like, you know, it's like, oh, this is how I like hacked whatever thing. Or like, this is how I jailbroke the Xbox. And it's all written in this professional, non-like hackery way. And they're mm-hmm. super cool for that. I feel like I don't get to see that a lot. I feel like when you go on Reddit, like it's always like, oh, how do I get started hacking? How do I get started hacking? And it's a bunch of the same posts like recycled into saying like, oh, if you want to get started hacking, you want to learn Python and this and this and all this stuff. So not super interesting to me. Yeah, I think those are important. I think those are really great for like a beginner friendly thing. But there's, I guess there's no like slightly more intermediate forum that I've seen other than OXSEC. So Shout out to those people. They also have a really fun culture of blowing up the Discord <laughs> when someone joins. So that's Ben cool. invited me. I joined uh, their Discord and he was like, oh, why don't you just say like hi to someone? And I was like, hi, you know, Jeff or something. And it, the amount of highs I got back <laughs> just, like, for the next hour. So Super cool that they do that. That's super cool. Building community is really tough. It sounds like Ben is really good yeah. at it, which, I mean, that's a superpower yeah. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I think building community has become something we've thought a lot about as an agency, actually, in terms of helping our clients build community. I think community marketing is like a new type of marketing term that I'm mm-hmm. hearing a lot, specifically driven by the guy who runs Late Checkout, mm-hmm. Greg something. So like they're very much about community marketing. Palette, have you seen that? Like that job board website, they're a new startup. It's all built around, it's like a community job board and it's all built around like a creator's community. I'm going back to the creator economy again. Wow, I'm predictable at this point. But yeah, community marketing is super interesting. It kind of falls in line with what we already offer. It's like a good way of like bundling it. So in my head, community marketing is merchandise, field marketing, event, like also online event marketing, as well as community engagement. And I think all of that speaks very well to security researchers, right? Like conferences and and CTFs and stuff. So don't you think community, like true community building though, goes deeper than that? Like all those things are sort of pieces of community marketing, but then like there's got to be some sort of, I don't know, I feel like the term gets thrown around a lot right now. It's become this really buzzy, really popular term in VC world, like building a community. And I sometimes still get hung up in like, thinking of Mm -hmm. communities as almost like a tool or a place. I'm like, okay, if you're saying you're building a community, but there's no Slack group, there's no forum, there's no like actual place for people to interact. But there's certainly ways to build community without having like an actual Slack group or something. But then I also think some people do a lot of just sort of standard marketing stuff and then go, we're building community. And figuring out where to draw the line (laughs) and like what actually contributes to a community and what doesn't is tricky. Yeah. I actually just built a pitch deck talking about this. There's a slide on there that says community equals culture plus identity. We can debate that. Like I would love to hear another opinion, but in my head, it is just like, it's whatever culture you would like that community to have plus a brand for that. I guess what I'm kind of getting at is I feel like there's maybe Mm -hmm. a piece missing there that's like... Mm -hmm activity or something i see maybe that's yeah, the yeah. identity piece maybe that's just like what you need in order to get to the identity level but mm-hmm. if there isn't a sort of place where people congregate and talk yeah. and show up consistently day after day and interact then do you really have a community or do you have more of like a fan base or something like that yeah no i agree with you i do think that falls under like the identity like portion right like we are a group that does but i do think it's a maybe that is like a separate thing like activity i don't know so i do think communities are best built around an activity whether that's work or chess or something and i do think that a lot of companies when they say community marketing or like are building community i think they are trying to build like a follower base or like an audience and i think that's different right is it a broadcast or is it like an interaction right yeah Back before we got into security, when we were focused more on just like early stage startups more generally, we we spent a little bit of time trying to build a Facebook group and saw some like early traction, had a really good small like invite only group of people. But it's just maintaining that is so much work. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's something that I'm personally all that good at. I like being a part of communities. I don't think I like growing them myself or leading them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should invite a community manager onto this. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be cool to to chat with someone who who's really good at community management at some point. Yeah, It'd be interesting. Green Noise has has one, and she is super cool. Yes, yeah, Priya is uh, great. So, yeah, they just launched this cool thing this week 
where they're doing a series of interviews. So she is interviewing Grey Noise users about how they use Grey Noise and then nice. publishing the interviews as you know video clips in their community, like in their sort of Grey Noise yeah. documentation, open yeah. docs. And it's really cool. I wish more companies would do this because it was a great yeah. insight for our product team into how users are thinking about gray noise beyond the sort of standard use cases that we think about and know about. And it just puts a face, it's like a user persona, right? But yeah. feels a lot more personal because there's an actual face and an actual yeah. person talking. Yeah, That's an interesting idea. That would be kind of a fun thing to pitch a client on doing at some point, a series of video user personas. Yeah, I don't know. That's cool. I feel like getting the buy-in from the actual users might mm. be tough, but it would be so cool to have mm. video user personas where it's like, Hi, I'm Jill, and yeah, I care about this thing. It's interesting. Yeah, I think you need to give them an incentive, mm-hmm. right? Like a really cool T-shirt <laughs> would be a great incentive. No, I love that. I think so. I've been thinking about customer feedback a lot. Actually, mm-hmm. this is an interesting turn for this podcast. That is not what I thought we'd be talking about today. I've been thinking about customer feedback a lot. I also have seen Andrew Morris tweet out a lot of these polls recently to get mm. on essentially just customer. I have it written down in my notebook. Oh, by the way. Because I'm at Irvine, I went to a, I got a new notebook at this place. And it, my designers have been making fun of me for this because I am super excited about it because it's a notebook, but it opens like nice. this. Love it. Oh, it opens, sorry, it opens vertically. Mm-hmm. I don't get to like flip it horizontally. Do you want to see my new, a, my new notebook of choice? It's a legal pad. It's a yellow legal pad. It, the <laughs> oldest school, most boring notebook option, but I freaking love it. I saw you use that one time. And in my head went, fuck, that's so smart. (laughs) I got so jealous. And I've been looking for like a legal pad that just is like dot gridded. So I guess that would be cool. That would actually be really cool. They're just so cheap. And I write notes constantly. And half the time, it's not stuff that I'm ever going to refer back to. The one problem Mm -hmm. with the legal pads is it's so hard to flip through and find stuff. Mm -hmm. I've genuinely Mm -hmm. thought about asking my like asking our, our assistant to just transcribe my notes, like take pictures of notes every day and <laughs> yeah, then ask yeah. her to transcribe them or something, which is not at all worth it. That would be so much time mm-hmm. just to make them more searchable. But do you know why they are called legal pads? I don't know. I just always assumed okay. that lawyers use them. Yeah. Lawyers, do you know why lawyers use them? Mm-mm. Okay. So I want to preface this with like, this is not the real reason. This is my assumption of what the reason is. <laughs> and it makes a lot of sense in my head because I watch like billions and billions. There are lawyers and those lawyers use legal pads and have like part of an episode where they do something with their legal pad. <laughs> so <laughs> prefacing that, my understanding of it is that it is one, when you rip something from a legal pad, you can see that something has been ripped. Right. With legal pads, there's like a history of what you've done with it. Mm-hmm. Right. You write it page after page mm-hmm. and you can collect your evidence as you're collecting evidence, as you're doing everything. There is like a pseudo timeline of things that are happening hmm. and you can't alter like what you're writing. So like your notes, you know, I think your notes as a lawyer are important, especially during like discovery phases or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you need to use those. Yeah. Anyway, this is my understanding is that legal pads can be used as evidence for whatever court or case but i don't know if that's the real reason we should probably look that up and figure that out mary is just going to add a show notes where like sean this minute to this minute babbles about how much he doesn't understand <laughs> legal pads. <laughs> um, okay sorry 
going back, what I was going to write, what I had written down here in my fancy new notebook with my fancy new fountain pen from the Japanese supermarket is uh, like customer-led product decisions is what I had written down. Seems like a very like buzzwordy thing, but it was more in reference to the fact that I've seen Andrew do this thing and I've seen a lot of like customer feedback tools pop up on like Indie Hacker or Product Hunt or no, sorry, on Hacker News and stuff. And I feel like that's like an interesting tool for product people or for startups to have, right? Is like, I wonder how you collect feedback better. Mm-hmm. And Loom, I think, is one of those ways that people do that. But like Loom is like a internal engineering tool or like an internal product management tool. It's not like a customer can't just like click it and record and then send it to you. But that'd be really dope. That'd be awesome. Imagine Intercom let you do that. Yeah. So there are definitely customer feedback widgets that let you record. Parallax uses one. I'm not sure what it's called. But when you record a bug or something, it gives you an option to upload a screenshot or record a video. Mm-hmm. I have a friend, my friend Ramey, was actually working on something like this. And then it kind of turned into a nice. different tool called ScreenJar that he ended up selling for like as like a little micro acquisition after a few months. Mm-hmm. Let me see. What is this feedback widget called? Let's see if they have a have a name in here. User Snap. Oh, uh, so, cool. Yeah, I think the one like sort of flag that raises in my head when you say customer led product decisions are the like the sort of flag is you want to collect customer feedback and you want to have a deep understanding of your customers. Doing stuff like Gray Noise is doing to get an understanding of customer sentiment and to do interviews with people in their community and to build personas and start thinking deeply about try to get a good sense of customer data and how customers are interacting. Like all that stuff is well and good. But there have been a series of tools that have popped up over the years that try to go a step further and have source ideas for features and stuff from your customers. Mm -hmm. And inevitably they all kind of die out. Like none of them survive for very long. Like there's all these little like sort of micro subreddit type tools that keep that pop up over the years that are like, here, let your customers suggest what you build next and then vote on it. And I think the problem is that that ignores the business context. And it goes back to that sort of challenging thing with early stage startups where you want to understand your customers, you want to listen to your customers, you want to talk to your customers, but you don't want to do exactly what your customers tell you to. You want to figure out Mm -hmm. it's just as important understanding what to ignore as what understanding what to listen to. Yeah, And so some of those tools end up focusing too much on just like the literal truth of what your customer wants and not understanding the full context so that you can then innovate and come up with a new solution that mm-hmm. that fits for your business and fits for what your customer really needs done. Does that make sense? No, and I totally agree. Your customer should not replace your product, like your product manager, yeah. right? Because <laughs> they don't know what's going on. They don't know what incent, like what they don't have the full context. They just know their use case. And sometimes customers don't have the right. Like it's this whole thing with like your early users are not going to be your later on users. Like they might even feel slighted because the product will change mm-hmm. because like the product you have to go find product market fit. And sometimes it's just not like that specific customers, even if they're very outspoken or not, or convincing about what products should exist. So no, I totally agree with you. I do like the way that Andrew has been doing it where he asks like one or the other, it's a lot less open-ended where he's like, Oh, like we 
do you use the product like this or like this? Or do you like this or that of the product? So hmm. I think the yes or no thing, I think it, like that type of surveying is more useful or telling. Granted, Twitter is one subset of information and not totally, not it, you know, it's not going to tell someone the full story, but it's just interesting to see yeah. that happen. And yeah. it certainly does a good job of helping people feel like you're listening to them. And mm-hmm. also, just polls get crazy good engagement. <laughs> like Twitter polls yeah. and like LinkedIn polls and stuff get ridiculous engagement, which is cool. Yeah, absolutely. People like clicking buttons, I think. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's super non-consequential, right? Like click on someone's poll. Especially Twitter because you don't see who votes on what. I think mm-hmm. on Instagram you do. So I never end up doing it on Instagram, but cool. But yeah. So what's your small effort for... The next week that is a good question my small effort today was to finish a like an edit to an msa mm-hmm. always kind of just did that yeah i kind of just did that and i feel like a weight lifted off my shoulder i actually have a effort i just told the team today during stand-up by the end of the week we are making a final decision on what product management tool we're using which is like a herculean effort a huge effort but it's going to be my small effort of the week it's the only thing i'll focus on for the rest next three days so cool I love it. Yeah, what about you? My small effort for the next two weeks, and I want you to hold me to this, all right? Okay. So you've got your fancy new notebook. I'm writing it down. I'm writing Write it down, it down. Right Hold me to this. Grill me if I haven't done it. Okay. I want to reach out to at least one VC with a specialty in cybersecurity before our next conversation. Okay. Do you know who you're going to reach out to? No. <laughs> I have ideas, but I, I don't have the one in mind. Okay. I will bother you next week, same time. Yeah. Please do. All right, man. Good talking to you, as always. Thanks, man. I'll see you soon. See you later. Bye. Bye. You just listened to Small Efforts, a podcast collaboration between Crit and Miscreants, hosted by Sean Sun and Andrew Askins. Sean is a hacker turned designer and the founder of Miscreants, a creative agency building memorable brand and product experiences for cybersecurity ventures. Andrew is an engineer turned CEO and the founder of Crit, a product design agency that helps cybersecurity founders create better products. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate us on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can check us out at smalleffortspodpod.com. Thanks for listening. See you next episode.